Hey everybody, Adam here. Thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. And I uh, just want to let you know one way that uh, you can support Slip Angle is on Patreon. Patreon.com. Uh, I think it's backslash Slip Angle, or just Google Patreon and Slip Angle together at one time. Uh, and I want to send a special word of thank you out to I know many of you are listeners uh, out to our Gold Pass purchasers uh, who have bought in for the season on track with Grid Life this year. Uh, just an unbelievable, overwhelming amount of drivers choosing to basically uh, spend all their time on track this year with us, uh, four to seven events. We really, really appreciate the overwhelming support. Uh, we are blown away and sort of humbled by it. Uh, didn't expect it to happen that way. Last year, it took about five weeks to sell out Time Attack Gold Pass. Uh, this year, it took about 55 minutes, maybe, so... Uh, a lot of GLTC support. Uh, I think so far, last count, we are at uh, 20 GLTC drivers for the season. So, um, And then a bunch of HPDE, uh, 10, 15 HPDE drivers. I can't remember exactly, uh, but uh, a lot of you. We really, really appreciate the support, uh, and thank you so much for, for making this event series uh, possible. Uh, we obviously couldn't do it if our buddies didn't show up. So, uh, And on with the show. Welcome, everybody, to Slip Angle Show. I am doing my best Austin Cabot. This is Abe, and I am recording now at midnight at my house with Alex Moss, who is the owner-driver of Super K. And if you're not familiar with Super K, you're blowing it. <laughs> Hi, Alex. <laughs> Hi. How's it going? Good. Good. Where are you headed tomorrow? Uh, we are on our way down to Barber Motorsports Park in Birmingham, Alabama for our first test day of 2020. It's become a um, tradition for the 365 and RS crew to go down there and, and kind of test out the cars and, and see how they're doing, get them ready for the new season. Um, three years in a row, we've been on a new power plant, a new uh, power configuration with the car and, and with major changes. So... This is our test day, and, and hopefully we are still driving on Sunday and not coming back with a broken car. And so you're from Alabama originally. I can tell from your accent. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're, you live in Wisconsin? Yes, and, Wisconsin. Uh, part of the squad of 365 Racing RS Motors crew, uh, which means you're yes. a fast driver and you like S2000s. <laughs> and, uh, you, I had the first S2000 in the group. And you, you actually, can you tell me the story about how Takuma Sato signed your dash? <laughs> yeah, so I have um, a, a 2008 CR. That was, that was the first S2000 I bought. And I bought it in February 2009. There was a foot of snow on the ground. This thing had been sitting in the dealer for um, a little over a year. And so I went in and lowballed them like, really really low ball them and they took my offer so i bought this car 
no test drive, nothing. My wife was super mad at me. She did not like convertibles. <laughs> was it was it worth it? Oh god, yeah. <laughs> it was worth it. She loved it. So so we bought it. I bought it in like January, I think. Uh right before the Cash for Clunkers thing came out and okay. you could get like like tax free um or you could deduct yep. the sales tax on it. And I, I couldn't deduct the sales tax. I was like a week too early. But I got a good deal on it. My wife was mad. I almost walked away from my deposit on it. I had another dealer call me and said, we'll sell you this yellow CR we've got on our lot for $1,000 less than whatever you've signed up for for this other dealer. Wow. And I didn't take that. I should have bought them both, but I didn't take that. <laughs> almost walked away from my deposit. My wife was so mad. Um, brought it home in February, and and it was like 47 degrees out. We took the roof off the car, and I said, come on, let's go for a drive. Let's go for a drive. And she came out for a drive, and she fell in love with the car. Like on that drive when it's freezing cold out, um, so anyway, a couple years into ownership, um, IndyCar was going to Milwaukee Mile and Honda sponsors IndyCar and they got in touch with the local S2000 owners and said, come do the parade lap. So I signed up for that and I don't know, I follow, um, Formula One really closely, um, and, but not really IndyCar. Um, so we're going through and, and basically you, you went down the pit lane, sat on the pit lane for like 45 minutes and then they announced the drivers, the drivers walked down and got into a car and sat in the middle. I'm like, I hope it's a driver I know. And so I just brought a, uh, a pen with me and it's Takuma Sato that gets into my car, who is Honda Formula One driver, was a teammate for Jensen Button. Um, who is one of my favorite drivers. That's so cool. So he jumps in the car, and I'm just absolutely starstruck by the whole thing. And so we go around uh, turn one, and we're going down the back straight where there's no fans. I'm like, oh, you know, I watched you growing up and uh, in Formula One and all this. Will you sign the dash? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is a special edition, right? This is a CR. And then he got down and signed the dash with, with my Sharpie. So I have a 2008 Honda S2000 CR signed by a Honda Formula One driver. That is, that's the coolest. Yep. And you do drive it sometimes. Not as much as I used to. I mean, I used to track that thing all the time. I bought that for a cheap track car. That's the whole reason I bought it. And I almost chopped it up. Like oh, no. Robert Thorne has chopped up his CR. It's, it's a big I didn't Wolf know his a was a CR. Yep. I did not know that. I almost did that. I almost went not to that, that extent, but I almost did that. Um, but as I was getting to that point, I kind you know, CRs was starting to become special and recognized. So I'm like, ah, maybe I should buy a different S2000, um, instead of chopping up this one. So that's what I did. Um, and I, did I, you start with a shell? Nope. It was a street car. It was a running driving street car. Um, it was in Jackson, Mississippi, um, where I went and got it from, it was this, um, this this guy down there who did not fit in in Jackson, Mississippi, hated it down there. I took my wife's car with one of my um, colleagues. We drove down there on Friday, paid him, and drove the car home a thousand miles that day. Okay, um, and it turned out to be a super good car, and so that became Super K. Um, and so for, for listeners, uh, Super K is one of my favorite grid lifetime attack cars. And so I hope we get to talk about all the things that make it really unique. Um, but 
I think you guys will probably know that I have an affinity for cars that compete and do well at one lap of America and super K. Uh, we looked super K finished fifth place last fifth year, overall, which yeah. is just amazing for a modified car. Um, just, just <laughs> on another planet and everything has to go right in order for an older car that's modified to do that well. And so that's, that's really impressive. Um, tell me about how you went from a stock S2000 to where you are today. Um, well, it's, it's a story of, um, chance really. Um, I bought the car to become a reliable track car. It was just, I had a budget in mind, including the car, a modest budget for build standards. And it was, let's buy the stock S2000. Let's put a roll bar in it, put a seat in it, put coilovers on it, tires on it, and just go turn laps. So that's, that's the plan. I, I, I'm, I'm estimating maybe that's like 15 or 16 total budget. Uh, 20,000. My, my budget was 20,000 for everything, car and everything. Okay. And so we did that and spent that pretty quick. And I had no no real intention of doing time attack. Um, so I bought that in in June 2017 um, with that plan. Because I remember, I think you and I met at Blackhawk in 2016. That was probably the first time you and I got to hang out. And you had driven the Black CR to the event, I yep, think. probably. So you yeah. didn't even have the yellow car yet. Nope. No, that was when I was getting... So I, I've been doing track events since um, 2004, 2005. Got, had a, a, an Evo 8, Evo 9. Got pretty heavily into it. Um, got sick of switching tires and stuff like that. It's weird that all the Evo drivers somehow end up in Hondas. I bought Evos, then all the guys bought Evos. Then I bought an <laughs> S2000, then all the guys bought S2000. You're so anyway... I got sick of switching tires, so I bought the the CR and as a car that I could just drive to the drive to an HPDE, do a bunch of laps, drive it home, and I did that for six seven years, and then kind of got out of it. Just just got busy with work and and focused on career and and home life, and kind of fell out of love with it. Uh, then had a kid and decided that what I really needed to do with my time was go racing again, <laughs> and so we we're going to chop up the CR. I had a, I had the CR and I had a 2011 M3, and the M3 was too nice and frankly too fast, which seems funny now, but too fast to track. It was like and too expensive to track. It was, you know, you take that thing to Road America and you're going to turn one, you know, approaching turn one at 145, and you're it's just thinking yeah. this is a lot of money to put into that wall, oh, for really sure. hard. So like I, I think for especially uh, for people who who don't track yet but are interested, you know, it's it seems really gl- glamorous to have a car that makes between, you know, 350 wheel and 600 wheel um, to take it to the track and to just, like, go crazy with it. It seems glamorous until you start thinking about how expensive it is to actually do that. Um, yeah. When I, I was when I was driving the Evo, um, even at Gingerman, if I were to run a 15-minute session, I might buy, uh, burn five or six gallons of E85. Right. Which is... Like, okay, E85 is $2 a gallon, big deal. But, you know, maybe you're doing seven or eight sessions a weekend, and it's still not a mountain of money, but it's a barrel worth of, of fuel. And that becomes like a logistical annoyance to figure out how I'm going to carry all this fuel with me at the track instead of just having a car that you can fill up once and then just do laps all weekend. Yep, and, and that's what the S2000 was. It was a set of tires a year, 
a set of brake pads a year. Um, a set of brake rotors every event. Um, <laughs> but it, it was just consumables were super cheap, to, especially compared to Evos. And then, and my M3 was like, it, it was, that was kind of my baby. That was the thing I got when I turned 30. And it was, I went over to Germany and got it and took it on Nürburgring really slowly. Nürburgring, I followed a Miata around. And the Miata's like, you don't have to have point buys on the Nürburgring. This Miata's trying to point me by. And I'm like, no, I'm good. I'll just no, follow thanks. you around. Until we got to the straight, like, see ya. <laughs> um, but that, that was kind of my baby. I took it to a few track events, um, but never could bring myself to push it hard. It was just too much money. It was too nice. It was going to hit a wall too hard. All that kind of stuff. Um, until 2017, right after I bought the Honda, um, your Autobahn event. Um, and for, and I don't remember what it was that the, the, I had the yellow Honda that what became Super K. I had that already. It had already been to an event, but for some reason I decided to not take it to Autobahn and, and I took my M3 instead. Um, just okay. to turn laps, not push it all that hard, but we're sitting around in the, the paddock with a bunch of guys, you know, Andy and Spaz and Sila and Chunk and all those guys. And Andy goes, you know, we should just K-swap your S2000. I'm like, why would I do that? That sounds like a stupid idea. <laughs> and he says, no, we should do it. We should do it. He says, it'd be like three grand and you'd have 300 wheelhorse NA. Well, I knew that was, that those numbers were not going to happen, but. Well, but. Andy, Andy's pretty good about that. Like, yeah, but even with Andy, it wasn't going to happen. I think, um, when I had my Evo up with him last year before I got ready to sell it, um, it, he had done, I, I couldn't tell you how many hours he did. It was probably 10, 10 hours worth of stuff. And I took the car up there and he, uh, he like tried to send me an invoice. He tried to first not send me an invoice. And then he sent me an email, an invoice for like, $250. And I'm like, God damn it, Andy. Like I, <laughs> yeah, I'm your right. friend. I want to pay you because I want this business to be successful. So yeah, Andy's a, a pretty swift mechanic for things that take people a long time. He's pretty good about, about getting it done quickly. Yep. Yeah. What, what he, uh, what he doesn't make in uh, hourly rate, he makes for, up for by doing it fast. So, so yeah. you guys, you started with that chassis, and then uh, did yep. you did you start with uh, like suspension stuff? Yeah. So we, so before that, yeah, rewinding, we bought the car, um, or I bought the car. He Andy was. I told Andy of the plan. I, actually, my first thing was like Andy had trainer. Everybody knows trainer, right? The I'm original, like, the Ice Two K. Yeah, Ice Two K. I yep. remember the Ice Two K. Yep. I was like, I've driven the Ice Two. You know, everybody's driven Ice Two K. <laughs> It said, you know, Andy, with my budget, my $20,000 budget, we could make trainer pretty fast. He didn't want any of that. He didn't want any part ownership type <laughs> thing back then. And, and you have to, back then, you know, Andy and I knew each other relatively well, but we weren't like close, close friends or yeah. anything like that. We, we were, um, people we go racing with. Um, I bought some parts off him here and there and, and, uh, he helped me out with stuff here and there, but I wouldn't say that we were close friends at that time, but I was like, okay, I've got this plan and I'm, and trying to buy this, this car, like April to June when I eventually bought it, I'm like looking every day at listings and I'm sending him listings and he's on one lap of America in the Evo 
and I'm sending him listings. He's like, <laughs> dude, I'm driving right now. You know, I can't look at these things. So anyway, I bought the car and it's like, okay, first thing we're going to do, um, send, send, well, the first thing I did was just have a, um, a local S2000 guy in the Midwest called Dustin. Uh, he kind of went through the car and, and did like radiator hoses and basic maintenance and sure. just made sure the car was solid overall. And he had some stuff on there, like he recommendations. It looks like every body panel has been touched on this car. Yeah, so what? Yeah, right. Um, and then the next thing was to send it to Andy. Okay, let's get it prepped to be a good track car. And so we put, I had KW um, Club Sport coilovers. I pulled off my club, my CR. We swapped those over. Um, he recommended that we do spherical bushings um, to tighten, you know, the car up and take any play That's out of the suspension. That's a pretty substantial improvement. Is that right? Oh, over 150,000 mile rubber bushings. It was night and day. It was great. Um, and we did. We put a, a little trailer hitch on it so that I could tow a tire trailer and and did put my seat in it and harness as I wanted a harness because I never had a real harness, you know, real track car stuff. <laughs> um, stuff like that. It was just going to be a good track car that, that I could go and, and beat on and, and have fun with and it wasn't supposed to be anything really special, just something cheap to go and run. So I got it on like June 7th or something like that. The following weekend uh, took it up to um, BIR for proving grounds and just ran it as it was. And if it blows, it blows. Nobody had even looked at it at that point. And then end of June, somebody must have had it, and that's why I took the M3 to Autobahn. And and he's like, let's let's case swap it. And that's when the seed got set. Yeah, right. So we started talking about that and talking about you know what Andy was doing and and what have you. And I said, well, if you're gonna do this work on my car and help me out with this stuff i want to help you out with your program so in the late fall we did cscs up in toronto we did speed ring and we did um, button willow uh, super lap battle okay. all three of those uh, back to back and that's the only time that's when i started to become part of the group like i i knew andy and could talk to andy um not someone i would call up but would message you know sure. stuff like that I knew who Ronnie and Brandon were, but was kind of like and intimidated by them. And I, I all think that I've said this on the show, but it's, I, I don't know that this happens everywhere, but the Midwest is the Midwest track community is interesting in that. Um, they're like these, these gangs of people and yeah. every, every, all the gangs are friendly with each other, but they're still gangs. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and so like Southwest Ohio we, we, has we, like we, we, Danny's we, gang and the Corvette guys and Midwest, Minnesota has the RS Motors crowd yep. and there's a bunch of Chicago gangs like Torque Team and Ramblers and just, just a bunch of other groups. And it's just, it's weird to see them all show up at Midwest Festival where everyone's having a fun time, but you can tell like who's who. Yep. Yeah, it's it's the weirdest thing, but that was kind of my first exposure to Time Attack was those three events, and and CSCS was nuts. We went up there. Um, that was my first like being involved. I was doing data stuff for Andy, helping him with the the um, data acquisition and and analyzing data on his car and stuff like that. Um, wasn't driving in the event, just part of the crew. It was uh, so Brandon, Paul, and Andy and I went up for that. Um, James Houghton was up there. He we like slept in his camper that night and stuff like that. And it was like, did you have chicken wings? Uh, I don't think we had chicken wings that night. We, I have had chicken wings with Houghton after that. <laughs> Houghton. Um, 
But that was like, this is like big time. This, you know, there was TMP. If you've not been at CSCS, is nuts. There's people like hanging over the wall. Yeah, and, and that's, getting faces hit by wings. And spoiler it's alert, nuts. right? Yeah, it's crazy. It it's a is whole different big country. Time. And and so it's like, wow, this is big time. That was my that was my first exposure really to Time Attack. The following week is Speed Ring. Right. The week after. So actually the day before CSCS, um, M1 was having, Haggerty was there doing I remember like a that. supercar thing. Because you guys were live streaming the whole thing. I think yeah. I was watching all of it. So Pete got us into that. He, Pete was like by his insurance. I don't know how he got us into it. Pete's connected guy. He got us into that somehow. Maybe he bribed someone. I don't know. But he got us into that. So Andy's out there with original train, Ice 2K, this Reddit. Really ratty. Yeah. And they're doing, like, no helmets, follow the leader, go around the track. And, uh, and it's Annie in the S2000, and there's, like, Ferraris and Lamborghinis and stuff like that. I, I had the 10 Days of Motorsport Picture Challenge, and there's one of them, like, Annie in this this S2000 where the body panels don't match with a Ferrari 458 behind him. <laughs> you know. So he's going around that, and we had the two-place trailer because we were taking trainer to learn M1, and then the going to HSE yes. to for CSCS uh, and he's Evo for CSCS and and he's just like bullying everybody on track with this little S2000 so the the guy like the instructors like well do you want to take the Evo out and kind of not truly battle but kind of get in front and chase me in this Viper or whatever he had so he got the 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 Evo out on track and, and the whole point was to see M1 before at speed yeah Speed ring the week before the first because at ring. that time it was no one had no, no one, one had, had driven on competitively yeah, in M1. You couldn't drive it um, unless you were in the club, and none of us can afford that. So then, so we did that. Then we did CSCS, uh, and then the following week is speed ring, which is another like crazy event. All these people there and and all that stuff, and and all and that was me, Paul, Ron, and Andy up there, uh-huh. and we're competing in that and. You know, that's when I got my first true experience of the RS spirit. Andy and, and Ron took their cars up there. Andy blew a diff right away. Ron's like, okay, well, let's pull the diff out of my car and, and yep. put it in your car. Blew that diff. And it's like, well, let's get TRE to bring us yep. a new diff. John brought another and, one. And so we're, we're doing all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, man, this is big time. This is fun. Everybody's watching. There's like tons of people. I have my, I just bought my. Had I bought my truck then? I think I had just bought my truck there. Yeah, I had. It was a Road America. Yeah, it had all the vehicle. Road America stuff on it, which didn't matter. Uh, we were like getting ready for grid, and he wanted to swap tires, so I just drove down there, moved a bunch of spectators out of the way, and parked wherever I wanted because it said Road America official vehicle. Yeah, right. And we were at M1. So <laughs> why couldn't I park wherever I wanted? So all that stuff. And then on the way back from that, Ron and Paul and Andy are all talking about Superlap Battle and and like this is the big event, you know. You want, and and I'm like, well, I'll come, I'll fly out to California and and be part of that. And so I flew there. The plan was, um, Brandon uh, was running um, Optima right the weekend before. So and that was the year he went really really hard. Yes. Optima, yep. Right? Yep. He had the white body on it, had it painted, God, all that stuff. Car. The car was absolutely beautiful. So there was a crew of people who drove the rig, the two place rig, out to 
Vegas. Mm-hmm. Then I think Annie and Paul flew out and met them there and drove the rig to California. I flew out, met them in California. Um, and basically we had a, a whole separate group of people driving the whole rig home from California then, then drove it out there. So it worked out pretty well. But we went out for Superlap Battle, the big event of the year, and I get there and there's like nobody there. You know, it's compared to the the big time of all the spectators at CSCS, all of the sponsors and the VIP stuff at, at Speed Ring. Um, Superlight Battle, it's like, well, this is kind of a track day, but everybody there is focused on, on yeah, it's, winning. It's like, one, it's super serious, but I think it it's, has its origin it's, as like a media specific event where originally I'm not sure if spectators were even like welcome. I mean, yeah. Maybe that's wrong, but like, it's it that that's not what it was about. Being a spectacle was not really what it was about. It was yep. about pure focus on being fast on that day at that event. Yep. Yes, and and that's what it was. And we won. We won Super Lap Battle that event. So my first three, I donated money for Andy to get. Yes, more that's right. Right. We, uh, a lot of people did, and and thank you to all those people that did. Um, but we. We won it. So my first experiences with Time Attack were as part of the crew for CSCS finals, where we were like invited down there and and treated like kings. Speed Ring, where we had a pretty good showing, and Super Light Battle. Those are my first three experiences that's with like, Time Attack. That's like back to back, right? Right, in in two months or something so, like that. I mean, I've been doing uh, grid life stuff for four years, and. You'd be surprised how quickly you get used to like the intensity and the craziness. Yep. And like a Midwest festival for Adam and I now is like just just another day. And I don't believe it, that. It really <laughs> takes something like extraordinary. Yeah. To to get my blood pumping. And um, it was it was when we did brackets in 2018 at Midwest, where you know from Friday afternoon it was something like one o'clock until end of show, which was at, I don't know, end of track session was maybe six o'clock where it was drift and time attack battles back to back for five or six hours. For me, that was the most intense experience. Like having produced that, um, I've, it's never required that much attention and that much focus for that long to do a show that was that good. Mm -hmm. And I've, we haven't had anything like that since then. And I'm, I'm like chasing it. (laughs) Chasing the dragon. So, on the way back, the drive back, we had, it was like a 36-hour drive. We had three of us in there, me, Andy, Paul, driving back. And, and like, the, I, I don't want a track car anymore. I want a Time Attack S2000. And so we were talking about that most of the way back, and it was just a total high from winning this thing. And, and my involvement in winning it is, like, watching Paul and Ron work on the car watching Andy do his thing and I think I gave him some guidance on like one or two corners that he'd done well, better and, in and I remember <laughs> um this is not a slight on the team at all but I remember watching in car video of Andy driving his lap uh versus professional awesome driving their car the year before yep. and it's it's a totally different experience um, yep. where where you could tell that Andy was like wheeling the car and he was he was battling kind of against the car because it was constantly changing and, and it hasn't had years of setup and dial in to get to where it was. Um, and so he went, I think it was a 40, 40.015. I think yeah, it was. 40. And um, our data. So we were using 
uh, race capture at the time. And this is kind of how I got, because uh, I was apparently the only guy in the whole world who could figure out how race capture worked and get it to work <laughs> in a, a normal car. And so that's why they needed me and, and invited me out there. But our data all weekend was showing like a tenth of a second slower than the official times. For whatever reason, our lap would come in, you know, 42.1. They said it's 42.0. Whatever it was, always a tenth of a second slower. We got to that final lap he ran. They had no time. Like no time came up on the display, whatever reason. I showed a 40.0. 40.05 or something like that. After like an hour, the official time came in at 40.015 oh, so or something like that. So close. Like, oh, man, I thought we had the 30. <laughs> but in that disappointment, it's like, yeah, but we still won. Yeah. <laughs> we still won the whole thing. Unlimited time attack, though, <laughs> is a really, really weird thing. Like, I don't, um, you know, so much emphasis is placed on going fast at particular events but the yep. only thing that matters is the record right and but, and, and it wasn't an overall record at that time but it was at the time i don't know i think pa has beat it now um but it, at the time it was the fastest evo that ever been around that track okay yeah. um i and i i'm pretty sure pa has beat it by now yeah because tom, tom drove spinning. the following year yeah tom drives pretty good is it yeah he's all right <laughs> <laughs> uh um so you get back from Super Lap Battle. Yeah. And is that when you just decided to go ham on everything? Yeah. I mean, I wanted Time Attack car then. And, and we said, long-term goal. I, I just threw it out there. I want the fastest S2000 over a single lap in the U.S. That's what I want. At anywhere? Anywhere. And, and that's just what I threw out there. What, what, what do we have to do to that? And, and he sent back Big Bad Wolf. There's your competition. <laughs> so it's like, oh, shit <laughs> <laughs> so, so robert's been on the show before this is like a long time ago maybe like episode 150 maybe yeah. uh the s2000 the big bad wolf is um one of my favorite cars that like yep. at, at the amateur level level that's ever been built i, I agree because it's, it's awesome. a scc and scca national autocross winner it is a Full interior car. Full interior car. One lap of America second place finisher. Is I think that... so. so. Certainly podium. Yeah. So and podium it's not a winning, but it is a podium. Uh, car. It's a grid life unlimited time attack podium car. Yep. And there is a video of it on Facebook. And it's a track mod legal car now. Launching jet skis into a yep. lake. Yep. Yeah. It's a famous S2000. It's, and it's a wonderful car and driven extremely well. Yep. But that that's kind of that's a, that was kind of the long term goal I threw out there, so it's like okay the case swap's happening because it's and, the only way right and and so I said and we weren't actually building it for a class to begin with we were building the car I wanted to build and we would just go and do right. whatever we yeah. were going to do, um, and somewhere along the way, I decided let's go compete in street mode. Well, first we were like let's go get any S two thousand lap records, that'd be fun. Um, so we put the, the case swap in, it made like 205 horse. We went down to Barber, we tested it. We had a bunch of problems with it, but it stayed running the whole weekend. Um, had my first like, like experience of the IRS crew as a driver then. Um, and, and I thought of this as I was pulling into, uh, as I was sitting in a trailer, but coming off track, we had an issue with, um, the, 
the bat sensor where I just got no power, basically. Wouldn't rev past, like, 3,000 RPM, had no power. Uh, it's pouring with rain. Um, came into the, pulled into the pits, pulled under our canopy, popped the hood, got out the car. Andy and Ron are, like, pouring over the car. I just got out the car, watched into the trail, took my helmet off and stuff like that. I'm like... That's kind of big time. <laughs> that, that, so, that kind of feels good. <laughs> another thing that I wanted to say about these gangs is uh, like all of them are super friendly and they're inclusive and they're helpful to new drivers at the track. But like yep. the only way to be part of the gang is to be fast. I don't know. That's true. Well, <laughs> I mean, they, they'd let me into the gang. I don't know. I, I'm not very fast, but it's like, it, it's uh it's like a mutual respect thing it's it's just i don't know what it is it's a, it's a good group good group of people and and the rs guys so we had the 365 guys and and andy and and you should have andy in the show to talk about like how 365 and rs kind of merged um but it basically was the i'm not going to tell the whole story but uh ron and um brandon i think were going out to laguna seca for an event and then he said okay i'll go and that's how it all that became those guys haven't known each other very long like uh, i think they got together six, like 2014 or 2015 yeah, yeah that's about and it. it was not long after they really started to get to know each other that they did their first campaign for one lap and they right i followed them super close in 2015 yep. to watch how well they were doing and for like an upstart team with no experience in an evo to do as well as they did was kind of crazy. Oh yeah, they've got they've got tons of stories about that. Brock saying it's Evo Tuesday, you guys are going out today. This is the day you go home. Stuff uh, like that. Evo and Tuesday. and they didn't <laughs> whatever it was. But yeah, so so these two groups, I mean, they started as, you know, Andy knew who the RS guys were, the RS guys knew who Andy was, and they kinda wanted to beat each other and uh they ended up getting together and becoming good friends and, and so Andy kind of was the first catalyst into that group. And, and, you know, I knew who Ron and my first experience with Ron actually was at Approving Grounds Autocross and, uh, we were doing, doing some runs and I was at an extra run or something. I, I couldn't count to three, like most autocross people was taking an extra run. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. and Ron was Got a like berating me at the start line. Yep. Bonus runs over here for Mr. Moss. <laughs> Stuff like that. And that was my, I think that was the first time I ever interacted with Ron. That's awesome. <laughs> and then Brandon wasn't there for the day, but he showed up for the party afterwards. And I was totally intimidated by Brandon, which is, seems so funny now knowing him as like I do now. Uh, Brandon, you're probably not listening to the show, but we think you are devilishly handsome and uh, oh for sure <laughs> we're all jealous so uh that was 2017 yes um, 2017 when we were doing that so but we did the case swap 2017 and somewhere in this was there, a the swap was a a, a very traditional stock stock k, k series it had a type s rsx type s oil pump on it uh k tuna uh ecu What's um, different about the Type S oil pump? Uh, can spin, it, it will allow you to rev higher. Um, okay. Basically, you can rev it past 8,000. I think you're limited to 8,000 on, on a non-Type S oil pump before it stops feeding oil, cavitates, whatever it does. Oh, I, I see. Don't know. Okay. I rely on Andy for those kinds of things. Uh, and, and a cam gear that can adjust past 30 degrees. 
Okay. That's what it was. And it made like 205 horse, wheel it's horse. Not enough. Well, we thought it was going to be all right for <laughs> street. For, so, so we decided to go out and, and compete with that. Um, or not compete. The goal was to develop the car, develop the chassis first, develop the swap, and then build a motor that, that would be powerful. Right, so get the swap working. Make sure it's not going to starve under braking and oh, sure. all that kind of stuff. Um, run half the year like that. Figure out what we're going to do for power next, and and f- figure out where we're going to compete. Because really, time attack wasn't still the goal for the car, but it was something I had become interested in at that point. Sure. So we got the swap in. Went down to Barber, tested at Barber. It ran really well. Car. Um, the power band, torque band was, was awesome. Actually, before that, we had, we had done a T, uh, DCTC test event on like December 30th. And so it was for, negative for those not 18. in the know, DCTC is a small, like, yeah, like a truck trade, driver. trade college or something. Yeah. It's like a truck driver, D- Dakota County Technical College, and they have a truck driver training and they have this track there that can be configured any way you want it. Um, and so in so the middle of that. winter, the three, six, five racing guys, uh, take, yeah. take over this place yep. and they host winter track events yes. as long as like, I mean, I, yes. even if the road is covered in snow, they do events, right? Yep. It was snowing. It was negative 18 that day. And at that time, still had the soft top in the car and I had my enclosed trailer and we would leave the top down to pull it into the trailer. We did the swap, no heat, anything like that. Negative 18, pull it out of the trailer. The top is not going up. I mean, I, <laughs> I pushed the button. That thing is, it's not moving anywhere. So I did that test day with no heat, no roof. That sounds negative like, uh, 18. like our ice battle from last year. So, uh, yeah, we were Eric, <laughs> no, uh, air temp on the Saturday of ice battle, the air temp in Stevens point was minus 26. Yep. And, I, uh, in the morning, Eric Kaler had posted a video of him driving yeah, he had to drive top down with to the top down. And he, he shows a video of the odometer where it, it shows the temperature and it says minus 26 and he's driving helmet on from Wausau to Stevens point, which is like Krusty. 30 miles <laughs> on the freeway. Way. It's, it's way too far to go, uh, when, in, in that kind of weather, but he's like a snowmobile guy at heart, right? Yeah, yeah, he worked for Arctic Cat, and and yeah, he's a snowmobile guy. Uh, I heard that Krusty recently got retired. Yes, that makes me sad. Yep, they have the a new car now. Oh, a Mustang convertible. Neat. And it's not called the Krustang. <laughs> it's called something else. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> I forget what they're calling it. It's called like what was the I don't know the famous racehorse. That they made a movie about. Anyway, it's named after that somehow. Seabiscuit? I don't know. Yeah, something like that. So, but it's not uh, as good. Crustang would have been better. Crustang would have been better. So, uh, I don't, I think I said this on the last show, but I don't know if I said it to you. I want to start an online, um, like an e commerce website that sells suburban off road parts to call yes. it Suburban Outfitters. Suburban Outfitters. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, it is. Um, that's all right. So, when did you buy the four piston motor? <laughs> so halfway through um so yeah all right so so what happened was this That's is kind of a good story starts yeah so we got the car together and it's like okay what what are we gonna do with this car now we've got the k-swap in it the k-swap's working awesome we tested it in in horrible weather we tested it in pouring rain at barber worked well um 
and this is going to sound horrible and it's not as horrible as it actually sounds, but Jackie Ding was kind of going after the 139. He wanted to be the NA SD1000 oh, sure. and the 139s. It's like, let's go, let's go do that first. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, we found, we found a test day, oh, not a test day, but an HBD day with, um, I, I forget who it, it was with, but one of these, one of the Midwest track day groups at Gingerman. Sure. And this was before the meme. Um, and so we went and we got like, we were trying everything with this, this motor. It was like two, two or five horse motor. Um, we still had more car than, than Jackie had at the time. Um, it was so that, you know, that take that for what it's worth. Um, our car was faster than Jackie's car was. <laughs> um, but we went out and, and did this and we we're doing everything we could to get more power out of this. We, and we were testing an electric water pump that day. We'd given up on K tuner at that point. We'd gone to AEM infinity. Um, and he had spent uh, countless hours getting that to work, uh, with drive by wire. And, and he and like, all that. he like kind of built his own harness or, or yep. like kind of wired everything from yep. scratch. Wired everything himself. Um, and and so we went out with that. That was our AM Infinity test day with the CD Sprite dash. Um, and we had this electric water pump that we were testing out. And the car was overheating in one lap. Um, I was doing terribly in the car. Um, I, I At the time, and even now, it takes me some time to get into a rhythm in the car. Sure. And so one lap a session uh, was not getting me anywhere i was doing like 140, just not enough 142s right? something like that and he jumps in the car first lap out 139.9 he's like all right we got it we're going home for the day we did what we came to do all that kind of stuff and um but we decided i mean we were a street mod car we were in street mod trim jackie was doing it in street trim right we were a faster car there's that so i'm not taking anything away there we were a faster car um, but we clearly weren't going to compete in street mod at 205 horse. Yeah. At the same time, there's this guy, uh, down in Florida who called, uh, Ian Stewart, uh, Mr. Sideways on the S2000 forums who had been building an NA K swap S2000. He kind of pioneered a bunch of stuff on, on K swapped S2000s and, and he was giving up on, the NA portion of that and going turbo, building a turbo case motor for his car. And so he was selling this built four piston motor that was like 14 to one compression, um, ran on, on MS 109 or, or E85 and made like 317 wheel horse. Sick. He made at, at like 9,000 RPM, 8,500 RPM, something like that. Um, at the time, I decided I'd kind of run through all my budget, decided I didn't want my M3 anymore, so I sold my M3. He put that motor up for sale, like, the day I got the check for my M3. <laughs> so I had, like, a ton of money in my pocket, and I'm like... So I messaged Andy, and I said, should we buy this motor? And he said, yeah, why not? You can always so count I, on Andy for giving you the advice that you want to hear. So I did it. I bought it, and I and I messaged him back. Okay, it's going to be, be at your place next week. And he messaged back, oh, shit, you actually did that? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was like, what? That was about, he's like, I didn't think you'd do it. Anyway, so we bought this motor 
three seventeen hours. That's what's gonna do it for us in Street Mart. That's you know that'll that'll do it. And well, this is two years ago now. Yeah. And and so we got well, that. Uh, for context, for anyone's not Time Attack and listen to the show, uh, the podium in Street Mod when I was driving in 2016 wouldn't make the podium in Street Class today. Yeah. Like everybody is five or six fa- seconds faster than they were three years right. ago. We, I mean, we were doing, I mean, we got 139.9 and we thought we were pretty close back then. Um, and I think the record was like, one thirty six eight or something like that. The rear wheel drive, or maybe might have been the overall street mob record. It, we weren't that far off, and and doing it in one lap and and what have you with an overheating car and all that kind of stuff. We thought we were pretty close. So adding a bunch of power, another hundred horse, fifty percent more power was going to do it. So we bought that engine, put it in the car, and that thing sound. I wish we could still run that engine now. I wish that had been the answer. I wish that I could afford to buy that and put it in my car. I wish you could too. (laughs) (laughs) Still for sale if anybody wants it. So this Um, is a... We've been effective about getting stuff purchased through uh, like pitching on the podcast. Yeah. If if you recall, if you saw on Facebook, Adam did get his pink Barbie jeans for Emma. Yep. By posting up here in the show. So what is the four-piston motor? It's a 2.5-liter K-series engine that has had the bottom end built by them. Uh, 89.5-millimeter pistons, I think, is in it. Um, and it has their um, like the super-aggressive head. head and super-aggressive cams, 14-to-1 uh, compression ratio. Um, like, yeah, this, this thing... And it's supposedly good for like 9,500 RPM, which four piston told Ian to run it. Ian told me I can't, I can't do that with how much this money, how much money this motor cost me. Sure. And I bought it from him thinking, ha ha, Ian, you're kind of a wimp. Why wouldn't you do that? And then I got it and I'm like, I can't rev it that high. No matter how much it cost me. So, um, they build works of art, man. It's yeah. it's crazy. It's a, it's it and it pulls hard it, and it sounds incredible. So we got that and we took it to speed ring. Like that was I we took that. it to, took it to CSCS first. We had we actually had some problems with like breaking um, the lower uh, ball joints on the car. So one of my first kind of scary off track experience in the car was. At Autobahn the next year, so 2017 or 2018's Autobahn, uh, we took it and and the right hand lower ball joint broke going through three. What's the million dollar corner? Three, I think. So right after that, it broke. Turning into four, the car just went straight and like straight off track. And I'm like, what is going wrong? So anyway, broke it there. Took it to CSCS with the new motor podiumed in unlimited class because a i didn't have the spec tires so i had to go unlimited and b nobody else showed up for unlimited so we got podium there you go uh broke another ball joint there uh going into the last turn which is right up against the wall didn't know i'd broken it except i'm going down the straight at the end and the steering wheels are crooked i'm like i think someone's wrong uh with that motor and then we took it to um uh, Gingerman for the fall special when it rained all weekend 
Oh, no, no, no. We took it speed ring next. Uh, so Annie and I went speed ring. He took the Evo. I took the S2000. I was going to compete in street mod uh, with actually the plan of winning street mod. Right. And Annie was going in unlimited in his car. And then we heard Tom O'Gorman was driving Michael Omick's car. Right. Wow, I can still beat that guy. That's not going to be a problem. Showed up on Saturday. I just drove terribly. I, like, spun on camera and drove terribly. Andy's car blew up. So Sunday for the brackets, we said, let's, well, you drive my car then, because we registered as a team. Right. Uh, we got through the first battle. Andy drove the car for the first time to test the timing loop um, in the morning. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that happens. <laughs> Would somebody needed to test the timing loop? So uh, Adam let us test the timing loop. Annie almost crashed it, almost put it in the wall testing the timing <laughs> loop. Um, we got through our first battle against uh, Casey Kresback. Okay. And yeah. he beat Casey Kresback. In an RSX? No, he was in an Evo, I think. He has I an think he was in a blue Evo. Okay. Um. Second battle, because I qualified us so well, was against number one seed, Tom O'Gorman, with double the horsepower of us and and all those stories. And watching Andy uh, in that car, I think I did like a, I think I did like a 13.5 or something like, maybe even a 14 was like my best in in the car and said, I drove terribly. Andy went out, he's battling Tom, and it was the most exciting thing I've ever seen in motorsports. So, uh, we've been posting up the show onto our uh, website, tracktune.com, when we release. And hearing you say that makes me want to go find that battle and include it as uh, a video clip on the show. Because if if you haven't seen the battle between Andy and Tom... um, it's it's probably the most Im- interesting five minutes of amateur racing it's, you'll see. So so our car at that time. So Tom O'Gorman obviously is a fantastic driver, um, and he had this five hundred wheel horse S two uh, uh, STI that I don't, I don't know how well it's. I've never driven the car. I don't know how well it's dialed in. It's not slow. super powerful car. It's not not slow. a slow car. It's not like winning street mod right now, but it's not slow. We had RS2000. That thing, the handling was pretty dialed in on, on it, but it was down on power. It was 255 wheel horse right. with that engine. So it was half the power. But M1's a small course. M1's not a power track. M1's actually a really balanced track, I think. Really well balanced for um, handling versus power. Yeah, absolutely. And And we had a definite advantage in handling. Uh, we had a definite deficit in power, um, and we had two drivers who I think are undoubtedly very good. Um, I think and, be- and between them, there's maybe five or six SCCA Autocross National Championships. Yeah, it's, it's they're, like they're a both, lot. They're both crazy good. And, and, you know, the fact is you don't know they've never driven the same car on the same day. I would love to see them both drive the same car on the same day. And I would put the car up because I don't think either of them would crash it. (laughs) Um, They're both really good. I think that'd be super interesting to see. Um, So we had both of them driving and both of them driving somebody else's car as well, which was interesting. They went out and Tom smoked Andy. (laughs) I mean, it, it was, 
it was a super exciting battle. I don't know why it was super exciting because the times weren't that close. But Andy did like an 11-8 or something stupid. And my car, Tom, was like 10-8 or 10-4 or, you know, 1 minute 10. Sure. It, it was not close, but it was so exciting to watch. Um, but it was clear we needed more power at the end of the year for going into next year. So we decided to go supercharged at the end of 2018. Yep. So we took the built motor out, we put the stock motor back in, and we bought a Kraftworks S2000 supercharger kit made for the F-Series and modified and we and Andy. modified it to make it work on the K24. Um, so as far as we know, that was the first one, and first left-hand drive supercharged S2, uh, K-swapped S2000. There was a couple in Australia, but none, no left-hand drive ones. Okay. Um, so it, it was, you know, somewhat groundbreaking what he did. We and took the, it up. The thing that I, um, I love and I hate about Andy is that if you ask him about how to do an XYZ, um, he'll always just say, well, I mean, like you just, you just figure it out and you just do it. Yeah. And it like, I, I have to remind him that that's true of everything you don't know how to do. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. for, for some people, it seems like they just have a natural ability to figure it out. So I have a story about that too. <laughs> the I'll I'll tell at the end there. Um, but anyway, we decided to supercharge it, just like with the K swap. Uh, we took it up to RS. We dynoed it like the week between weekend between Christmas and New Year, and then we took it to DCTC and it was super cold. And we tested it at DCTC and it ran great. Then January we took it down to Barber. I think it's February we took it down to Barber, tested it there, tested it at NCM, and then we did one lap of America in it. So I remember um, when you tested at NCM because that was the last event that I took the Evo to drive. Yes. And I rode in the passenger seat of your car and I got out thinking, this is what I need. Yeah. I, I mean, I need everybody needs thing. that. Because <laughs> like, I'm sure it's, it's challenging to drive at times, especially when you're going at pace. But compared to the Evo, it maybe made similar power, but it delivered torque completely differently. And it felt very... Um, I don't know, like it, it wasn't uh, very in your face aggressive with respect to like torque. And so it seemed like, oh, yeah, like it might not be that hard to drive this car quickly. Yep. Which could be totally wrong, but that's the way it felt. You know, that's the second time you've really like hurt my feelings over my driving by telling me how easy it was to drive. I, I, I don't know that it is easy. It just like <laughs> it didn't seem like the car was fighting you. It just like everything just seemed to work. It it does. It's it's a great car and it's and it's been something that's been dialed in and and so yeah it's. I, I think know. you're a great driver. You're certainly better. <laughs> you're better than me. So we took it. We took it to one lap of America. The supercharged new power plant. We'd done a couple of track days on it, and uh, so we decided why not do it like eight track days in a week and drive it thirty five hundred miles on the street. And so even at NCM, you had struggled with like some battery and electrical challenges. Yep, you were working on the car uh, all weekend, and then I wasn't working on it. Well, Andy was, <laughs> but you you left that event with stuff that you still had to figure yeah. out before the following month, where you're going to yep. take this car on a four thousand mile trip. Yep. So so what happened? Well, um. I was told it was ready for one lap. So we showed up in South Bend um, with the car and a trailer. Um, the Nate from Everyday Driver mm -hmm. said, hey, I've got a trailer you can use. 
So we borrowed his trailer. I I now own that trailer. I bought that trailer off him after the event. Very nicely done. Yep. Um, so on the way back from NCM, so we, we, Andy took the two place trailer down with his car and your car on it. I picked you up with my car and my trailer. Yep. And then on the way back, you drove your car home. So I was pulling an empty trailer home. That's right. I picked up Nate's trailer then on the way home that event. I think I probably burned a quart of oil on the way home. Yeah, Uh, I think you did too. (laughs) uh, I, I learned a lot about EFR turbos in, yeah. in the last like couple of years. And I have heard that the 7163s in particular are very sensitive to how well they're fed and drained. And if it's not perfect, it's not going to go great. Yeah. So. And it uh, wasn't perfect? No. No. <laughs> uh, so, so what needed to be done to make a 7163 fit into an Evo 10 is, um, at least in this case, the oil drain was a modified uh, standard uh, Evo 10 oil drain. And so there, uh, as it comes down from the underside of the turbo, it, it comes down maybe an inch or two, and then it makes a you know 80-degree bend. Even though it's smooth, it makes about an 80-degree bend, and it sort of slopes gradually toward the, the return on the side of the engine block. And from what I've told, at least in talking to the, the EFR engineers, is... You want that line to be as straight as possible and as big as possible. Also, if you can get rid of all your crankcase pressure, you should probably do that because you want that line to flow. And so uh, right before I sold the car, Adam and I were talking about um, like putting a a T-junction in the oil return and just like feeding it. Uh, open air from atmosphere sure. just to make sure that there was no pressure in that line at all so that it could drain. But uh, I sold that car last year and I've only been thinking about Honda since then. I like Hondas. I'm a big fan. <laughs> um, so you you go to one lap, the car's ready. Yep. And when did the first thing go wrong? Um, so, so the first thing went wrong um, before one lap. Uh, we had fabbed... Uh, we when i say we i mean andy <laughs> had fabbed uh super uh super k brackets um uh brackets for the supercharger to make it work in a k series rather than f series and and those were cracking so he welded like big big beefy i assume these welds. are like cnc machine type brackets or are they uh, no they're pretty much like garage shop garage, garage shop stuff yeah yep um so we take it to one lap it's ready and and you know, our big concern was we're, we're pretty confident on the track. Like, the track was no problem, but... It seems like that's when cars do well. Right. right? Like, But we had not... I mean, Andy was daily driving the thing, like, for the month before one lap. He was, like, driving it everywhere, but it still only had a couple hundred miles on it on the street, and we were going to go and do three and a half thousand miles on the street. So we had this idea. We, Andy, had this idea of why don't we disconnect the supercharger belt like every event and only run the supercharger for the track events and not for the street. Weird. <laughs> it worked. So we're running this car that makes 400, 400 wheel horse on the track and then on the street. 180 horse. It's 200 horse, but it's going through a supercharger that's not spinning. It's right. sucking the air. So it's probably like at 150 horse or something. That thing would do 90 miles an hour, and that's it on the street. 
And it did 155 at BIR. That's wild. So day one was um, the the skip pad. Yep. Right, the wet skip pad. Did you do well? Uh, no, we did terribly. Um, we actually went with wet weather tires uh, of the uh, Michelin PS4S okay. because it was going to be raining the whole week. Uh, we did terribly on the wet skid pad. Then from there, we drove to the autocross at Grissom. Um, we got second or third. Which is good. We, Andy, got second or third at the autocross. I think we're in first, and then Brandon beat us in the TT. Oh, my God. Which really annoyed Andy. We, we spent a little time talking about the TT on the show last week. and That car, that car is, is insane. Then we left Grissom to head to Nelson Ledges. And we start hearing this rattling sound. So we pull off the freeway onto this little tiny side road. And I get to experience the first of like the one lap culture. So we pull off, pop the hood, and he's looking under there. Uh, and before, before he's even under the hood, like Brock stopped and you guys all right? Yeah, we're fine. He takes off. Somebody else stops and, and, so my job becomes fending off all the people who are trying to help so that Andy can just do Focus his and thing. Do the thing. Andy pops up, crank, crank bolt's gone. That's what the noise is, crank bolt's gone. Crank bolt? Crank bolt. So he took the pan off? No, no, the, the bolt that goes into the crank that holds the crank pulley on. Oh. Crank pulley bolt. Okay. Don't worry, I've got a spare, he says. <laughs> so he goes doing the trailer, finds a spare, tries to put the spare in, spare doesn't go in because the crank bolt is actually still in there, but it's loose. So he's like, just cranks this thing down as hard as he can. We go a quarter mile down the road, do a U-turn, start coming back to the, the not the freeway, but the main highway. It's rattling again. Like, we haven't driven half a mile. Oh, no. So he goes, but yep, it's loose again. It's like, God, we're going to be dealing with this this crank bolt like every half a mile it's almost like robert thorne's 75 right. mile fuel tank well and and his um exhaust manifold it, that yeah, kept right. cracking all the time anyway he like really cranks it down the next time and and i don't know how he got it but anyway it, it gets and it stays um in 3500 miles that's our only problem the that's whole time wild. was the crank bolt came loose twice in half a mile and then we got it he, he got it taken care of, and and the car survived awesomely the whole rest of the way. Uh, he qualified us. The next day was Nelson Ledges. He qualified us, like, top six or something like that. So we're in the, the first run group the whole way. Um, we're running top ten, like, the whole time, despite my best efforts. I get passed at Road America by the TT, stupid TT. <laughs> car so fast. Um, uh, he's coming this weekend, right? Yep. Is he bringing that car? Yes. Excellent. Yep, that's going back to one lap this year. Um, and and in the end, you know, with some, uh, I don't like to call it luck because it's misfortune of others that are on one lap that dropped out for one reason or another, but we ended up fifth place overall. Um, we won our class, which was not through good fortune. That was, you know, nobody in, nobody that was competing for the front of the class dropped out. That we, was SSGT2? Yes, that sounds right. Yeah, I Which don't is know. It's like, uh, you know, two seater. It's not just two. It's it's sports car, two door, under fifty thousand dollars or something right, like that. Right, but also under 
Under a certain displacement, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. On the GT2 is under three liter, maybe under a three liter or three and a half. Under four liter, like yeah. I don't know. Our, our big competition was a BMW One M. Okay, which is um, a solid car. Yeah, yeah. By and and those guys were great guys as well. I I had time in my life competing with those guys and going back and forth. Every time we started feeling comfortable, those guys would come and do something. So uh, I'm like the biggest nerd for one lap. Um, it's it's one of my favorite events and it's I, I absolutely love it. I love the idea and the challenge of building a car that money cannot buy you a win. No, it um, can't buy you a win. And uh, frustratingly, the organizations that I spend all of my time with uh, like consume as much available vacation as I have. And I don't have five to 10,000 extra dollars to go on one lap again. And because I've done it once, um, I've done it for the experience. And the thing that I would want to do if I'm going back is, is drive or assist in an attempt to win. Yeah. And so like, I don't want to, I don't want to go spend that money um, to just like do it again as much as I'd love to, but that's, that's not who I am personally. And like, if, if someone was like, Hey, Abe, I need you to be co-drive so that we can try and win. I'd probably find a way to make it happen. But otherwise, like I, I love the event and I keep track of it all the time. And I'm like the biggest nerd for watching it during, during the week. And I probably should be working. There's, there's so many people like that. There's, I mean, we got, so much attention on one lap on the stupid live streams we would do where we're you know just focusing on the track so many people sending support the hoping you know wishing us well and and all of that kind of stuff it was it was an experience unlike any other and i can't wait to do it again <laughs> so um, it's like one guy one guy we got out of blackhawk on the way back from blackhawk we had to run from blackhawk to ncm right which is a hike it's a hike. And so we, Annie and I kind of had this, it, it wasn't really a hard and fast rule, but it was a, just kind of the routine of things we got into. Whoever's driving the next day, the track the next day, because we always wanted like one person would drive the whole track, you know, both sure. sessions on the same track. They would not drive the last stint of the transit. So whoever's okay. not yeah, driving. Yeah, that makes sense. And also, um, Less of something we talked about, just kind of have, how it happened. Whoever drove the track that day drove the first stint leaving the track. So if I drove Blackhawk, I left. I was driving when we left Blackhawk while That's I was on a high. probably what, like nine hours? Yeah. Maybe so you might do it like yeah. three, three-hour stints or something? Yep. It was basically a tank of gas, and we'd switch every tank of gas. So I drove out of Blackhawk. Um, we're on on the road. We switched after Chicago somewhere I drove through Chicago and then somebody's like messaging me on on Facebook man I just watched the Blackhawk video why was Andy slow pedaling it oh, why was yeah. Andy going it looked like Andy was braking super early <laughs> I said thanks Abe that was me <laughs> uh that's not to say that you're slow it's just I have been in the car with Andy at Blackhawk and I know how fast he is in an S2000. And it was just like, that's a driving style that's a little different. And I, I realized I struck a nerve and I, I feel regret for that. 
So, so that was like the second to last day. That was that was actually my last time in the car. Okay. But, uh, uh, competing in the car. The rest was Andy. We had NCM. We had the dry skid pad. Andy was doing NCM, and Andy was doing the skid pad. For context, how fast were your laps at Blackhawk? Because uh, they were not slow. No, very, very low 117s. Three low 117s. It's really, really fast. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just different. Yeah, it, it was. I, I was... The, well, that's why it, it struck the nerve, because one, you get tired over the thing. Oh, so yeah, it's probably sure. a little little more sensitive. Um, and two, uh, I was actually pretty proud of how I drove. <laughs> <laughs> uh, three... Andy actually came in. So after Road America, Andy was the the best teammate. Road America, I got passed by the TTRS. After I got the checkered flag, Andy's on the radio. Hey, man, great job. You did awesome out there. That looks so good. I'm like, dude, I got passed by another car. That's not good. It's, and, but, and I have been passed uh, during one lap. I got passed by Scott Coors uh, at Palmer, which was probably a scary track in the dry and it was a yep. terrifying track in the wet yeah i remember that yeah and i got past and as soon as i started following him um my lap times dropped by like eight seconds a lap yeah um but in order to get past during a one lap event the driver behind you is probably they made up 15 seconds they made up on 15 you. seconds on you over yep. the course of three laps it's yep. a lot yeah oh yeah yep so yeah, the let's just chalk it up to the TTRS being really fast. Yeah, and it was my first time on track, and it was Road America in the wet, and that sounds scary. Yeah, it was, it was a little bit scary. And Brock at, at the start line came up to me and was like, "You better be fucking careful." <laughs> I was like, "Yes, sir, I will." He said, "Have you ever driven this track before?" I said, "Yes, sir, I have." Oh, okay then. <laughs> so anyway, after Blackhawk. After I took my runs in the back, in the morning it was pouring with rain, and and our deal was these are the tracks I'm driving, these are the tracks you're driving, except if it's wet, you're driving in the wet, and he's driving in the wet. Morning at Black Hawk was wet, afternoon was dry, so I drove the the last session. Sure, I was super proud of how I drove. I came in, and he said to me, "I've never seen you attack a track like sure, you just yeah. attacked it." I got on the road, and name's like. Wow, why was that so slow? <laughs> so I will say this about Blackhawk. Um, there aren't many tracks that I've driven that I am really, really comfortable. Blackhawk is one of those places. Yep. I, don't, I don't know why it is. It's just it's something it about it flows just a little bit so different. Well. It just and, flows. Uh, the, when, we, when Grid Life during track day picnic had done the standing start autocrosses there, um, I had gotten the willies uh, like – just the heebie-jeebies of going, trying to go fast at Road Atlanta the year prior. And so I didn't like, I didn't attempt to drive in the same way that I did the year prior. And we started doing standing start autocross at Blackhawk. And that was the first time I had gotten back in the car and was like in it and focused and like wanted to drive really hard. And I I think there's something special about that track that really just lets you do that. Yep. I, Even though I agree. the second you go into the uh, you know the curbing, yep. it will literally fuck your life up. Yep. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. Something about the track's just fun. Yeah, I I like that track a lot. Um, I think my favorite story about Brock was in sixteen. Autobahn was the last event of that cam or the, of that year uh, before you went back to Tyrock. 
And, you know, you finish your last event in the afternoon and then there's probably some time for some fun runs. And this is just people messing mm-hmm. around doing whatever. And someone asked uh, whether or not we could have passengers. Or I think it was Andy maybe had asked if we could have passengers or people sitting in the back seat. And, he was, and Brock was like, this, this captures his attitude in a nutshell. He was like, I don't know. You can drive fucking naked. I don't care. Just do it. Just like don't get hurt. <laughs> and and that was that was like, oh, yeah, I guess that's Brock. That's yep. cool. Um yeah, but best part of one lap for me, or one of the best parts, was the the when you get back to the hotel back in South Bend, and there's like a big party at the bar. So I have that regret night. that I didn't join you last year. You should have, man. But I did the year <laughs> prior for for actually like uh, for I think for seventeen and eighteen. Yeah. Um, just because I'm a dork, I went up and hung out just to be at the hotel with the guys because I wasn't driving. And yep. like, I, I think in 17, maybe I brought a case of Corona for the squad and just okay. like had beer with everybody. Sure. And, and the, once you get back, it's just like, it's a really special time, yep. but there's still one competition event the next day, right? There's still the dry skip back. So everybody's doing dry skip back hungover. That's true. Um, but, but we're in the, in the bar and Brock was going around talking to a bunch of people and like, why do you do one lap and stuff like that? Did you have fun? And did you enjoy yourself? The guy genuinely, he's like the gruff old man, genuinely cares. And, and somebody asked him, Brock, what drives you? To, why do you keep doing? It was probably Brandon. What drives you to keep doing this year and year after year? And Brock just said, I sort of like some of you people. I'm walked <laughs> off. <laughs> Uh, Brock, if you're listening and you're probably not, if you are, we love you and uh, you make an event that I think all of us would like to emulate. Yes, absolutely. It it was it was a blast. So we did one lap. We Finish did, your supercharger campaign year. We did really well at one lap. This is mid. This was last year, 2019. Um, we started to we did Midwest Festival. Midwest Festival was a frustrating event, but we got an idea of where we were. We want we wanted to get to to that street mod record. Um, then and which I at the time think, was I think it was thirty six eight something like something, that. Yeah, it was uh, Darus, whatever Matt Darus and Brad Yonkers okay. had those guys. I think it was one th- a little less than one. Maybe it was thirty five eight. Um, we had a frustrating time at, at Midwest, um, but. You know, mostly our doing by first lap out. I went out with no fuel in the car, fuel starved, qualified way at the back. So I was fighting my way oh, to sure. the faster run groups the, the whole um, weekend. Didn't get to where we wanted to be and, and kind of realized that maybe we had to do something other than supercharger long term. And and kind of the the we had two superchargers. Uh, which is kind of how this program was gone because one lap, we're like, what if we break a supercharger? We probably should take a spare. And at the time, I think you were carrying extra belts and stuff like that. Yeah, too, we had a bunch of extra belts. We, I've I've still got like uh, a warehouse full of extra belts in my trailer. <laughs> um, decided that, that we needed to get off the supercharger. Track day picnic, we're going to go out. So, so the whole story with this car is I want to... When the when I first bought it, I wanted to run like a seventeen nine or something like that. I said, that's my goal. And seventeen nine at Blackhawk, Black me Hawk. driving. And he said, Dream bigger. 
basically. <laughs> um, and for the first two years of the car, for one reason or another, I didn't get clean laps. And and my immediate goal, while 17.9 was a long-term goal, I wanted to go under 120. I'd never gone under 120 there. Sure. And I, run, I ran like four 120.0s with traffic and with screwing up the last turn. Plenty of times I was on for my 19.5 and never sure. got it. Um, in the prep for one lap, we went to Black Oak for for a test, and at one lap itself, um, we ran 17s, and Sick. or I ran 17s, and and that's like not on the optimal tire. That's on our uh, tire that's going to be good in the tire, wet, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And we're doing three laps at a time, not one full flying lap, and no warm up, and anyway, all that stuff. So the car was finally like we we got that goal. Went to track day picnic. I'm like, okay, let's see what this car can do at Blackhawk. And went out. And it's like, this car's like knocking. It, like the engine's knocking. The f- engine's finally had it. And so we figured we broke a crank there. Um, so that that was in session one. So I drove trainer the rest of the weekend um, for track day picnic. Didn't get to drive my car. And, and again was thwarted at Blackhawk from <laughs> like seeing what the car could do. Same time, our friend Ian Stewart, who had sold us the... Supercharger kit in the first place. Not the supercharger kit, the four-piston oh, NA yeah, yeah, motor, yeah, yeah. because he was going turbo in his car because he was sick of going NA. Well, he was just sick of S2000s at that point. And so he was getting rid of his turbocharger kit that had like the manifold, the turbo, and he's like, he's like spent... The guy's like an, a, a savant, I think. He spent all this time... like sizing the turbo perfectly and and super proud of this turbo uh but he's getting rid of the whole lot so we bought the turbo you've given that guy a fair bit of money uh yeah he's subsidized most of <laughs> most of what we bought from him and and this is where we've been opportunistic and and you know we we were gonna go turbo at some point we were gonna figure it all out a turbo kit came up so we bought it let's do it now sure yeah um we cracked the crank, so we went to Ron. Ron had just bought some junkyard motors for K twenty four junkyard motors, so I bought a junkyard motor off Ron. Uh, delivered that to Andy. He had the turbo. That's a TSX motor. Yeah, TSX motor. Okay, the um, good one. Huh? Was it the good one? It was a good one. Nice. It wasn't a good one. Um, I got a message from Andy on like a Sunday afternoon. Andy. Like when the supercharger, when we put the supercharger on, he sent me pictures of melted down engines and he's like, sorry, dude. And it was all like, anyway, he said, he sent me a message. He went something like, I wish I was joking. I'm really not. There's oil all over my dyno and there's a big fireball. And like at seven PSI, this motor just exploded. And so I'm, I'm like, well, and it's kind of out of money. And I'm like, well, let's park it for the year. Sure. We'll, we'll come back in 2020. Nope, we're not doing that. And for whatever reason, I got got back into it. But but he really had blown up this motor at seven psi on his dyno first pull, like wastegate pressure. Weird. Three thousand RPM. It just sent it sent rods through both sides of the block. Oh my God. It and supposedly a big fireball, and it's really disappointing he didn't get it. Anyway, on video. But anyway, I I sent him a message. Don't feel bad, man. He wrote back. I don't feel bad at all. <laughs> So anyway, then we got two JDM motors that we put in and, and, and he put one of those in and it made like 
500 wheel horse or something at at 15 psi. It's a decent amount. Uh, it was like a lot of power, but I was kind of afraid. You know, the thing about the supercharger was we weren't losing the character of the car, and it would build power. You know, it wasn't have this massive surge of torque, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. First event with the turbo was speed ring. I'm pretty sure that was the first time on track with the turbo. And we just kind of kept turning it up and turning it up. And we were running like mid tens, running, running really well enough to, to beat what we would have, um, or what the previous year that, that, that Tomo was running in street mod. Uh, we battled. So we, we qualified pretty well. We won the street sprints actually. Um, I which winner was like a thousand bucks. Thousand bucks, yeah. That's we nice. actually made a deal with Sean because uh, Sean was was pushing it in street sprints. We were right behind Sean, and I. So we had did some street sprints, then we had lunch break, and we were all like, Sean was in first place, and then Andy persuaded me after lunch sneak back down and go run it again. So I just was like doing run after run after run, and finally beat beat Sean. Sean got wind that I'd beaten him, and he headed down. <laughs> and I was like, dude, we can keep beating up on these cars all day, or we can just agree to split first and second now and, and save oh, the cars go. for tomorrow. So we did that. So I technically won street sprints, but I also made a deal for Sean to stop trying. Just stop trying. Um, and maybe he would have beat me, and maybe he wouldn't. I don't know. Um, next day, we beat... Shailen Wu was our first. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at that first time battle. it was a turbo Mustang. Yes. Yeah. I almost threw it off track and got myself disqualified. Like, was everything I could do to keep it on track after the long straight on one of those battles? Was that the uh, the the spin that you had that was kind of infamous and captured? No, that was the year before. Uh, uh, Moss has one of the most elegant spins we've ever seen. It was like oh, it's really beautiful, nice, really nice pirouette, managing yeah. to stay on track, perfectly covered in the live stream. <laughs> yep. So, so at the end of the straight, I just braked too late and almost went off track. And and Tomo was commentating; he wasn't driving this time, and and so he he spotted it and pointed out to the whole world, including all my family in England, that I almost just threw the whole thing away. <laughs> Anyway, we got Thanks, we got through, and and I still beat like even with that mistake, I managed to catch and and beat Chilin. Then next up was Dewey, I think. I think Dewey was our second battle. And if I recall, that one was really good. It was really good. So he beat me the first battle. Then I beat him the second battle. And then it was, there was something with the live stream, but you guys gave him the option of, do you want to do one more time right now or let drifters go out and, and do one more time? He decided to, for whatever reason, he was going to let the drifters go out and let his cool, car cool down. Or, uh, he, he had some plan that, that that was better for him and worse for me. Okay. So I didn't know really what was going on. I just went back and, and parked and then... Next thing I know, the hood's off my car. Um, Pete and, and Andy are taking the hood off the car. They're putting the hood for trainer on the car that had more ducting in it and stuff like that. Andy's got the laptop in the car, and he's just hitting the plus key like crazy. <laughs> he's like, how much boost do you want? How much power? We're gonna blow the, you're going to win, or are you going to blow this up? <laughs> we went back out, and uh, I think I got, do- I got Dewey by not much. 
and went on to the final. And first battle in the final against Sean, my diff blew. Did my diff blow because I sat there doing street sprint after street sprint after street sprint <laughs> trying to beat Sean. But it was the most anticlimactic thing in the whole world. I had my, like, my family watching from England, watching the live streams. I got my dad texting me, you know. Um, the the commentary team was telling me, oh, you've got this fan club in England that's cheering you on. Mars is this fan favorite. All this stuff. But, but we we beat Dewey and we got second place and we beat ourselves. And and so I was pretty happy with that, that it was, that was like the moment that super gay was a Dial. legit contender and, yep, yep. and had gone and proved itself on a stage. Yep. So, um, the last event of 2019 was actually the first event, event number one of the yes. 2020 season. Yep. And, uh, I'll let you tell the story between you and Dewey, but um, are you still using or what differential are you using? Uh, are you confident that it's going to be like stout to, to run for quite a while? Uh, no, that's <laughs> the answer to that. Um, we're overpowering the, the drivetrain. Um, I don't I don't know uh, how long it lasts, but the diff that was the diff that blew up at speed ring have been in the car all year. It, it, that had survived one lap. It I, survived. Was that an ATS diff? It was no skiking diff okay. in the stock housing, and the, and the diff itself is good. It was the housing that broke the S two thousand housing, which is not a lot you can do about that, right? That's what S two thousands do. I I don't remember if it's this uh, the the S two thousand chassis, but there are other diffs that you can make fit. Yep, we can make a three fifty Z diff yep. fit, or we can make a, a Mustang um, eight point eight Ford eight point eight. I think it is fit. So we've got a couple of options that that we can go to. And the Ford one is kind of beefy, right? Like it's it is, but it's heavy. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, that's that's a problem. Everything's heavy. So we're running next year on S two thousand drivetrain. We we were thinking about doing different trans, but we're we're going with S two thousand drivetrain, hoping we can make it last a year. We've got a few transmissions in stock. We've got a few diffs in stock. Um. So yeah, it's it's. That's kind of how we run this streetcar now. So, um, you know, after speed ring, you come to Gingerman and you're the whole time you're goading Dewey to show up. Uh, goading isn't the right word. So we were coming to, we were pretty confident that we we wanted to go get the street mob record, street mob rear wheel drive record, which was one. 358 it, it was still whatever um matt and co had um and then there was street mod overall record which was a little bit faster temp first or something like that but sean crabs back hat um it was pretty clear sean was not going to go to the event because he was prepping for um super lap battle and he lives a hundred hours away and he lives to, yeah yeah like north pole something like that um Dewey and I had had this epic battle at speed ring. Um, and so we were pretty confident if the weather would stay, if it didn't rain, we would go and get the record. Um, but there's not much fun in that just going and getting the record. So I was kind of talking to Dewey, um, just saying, you know, the record's going to fall that weekend. And are you going to be there? And cause 
getting the record and having some competition is has a lot more legitimacy, I think, and sure. and, and is more fun. And and to be honest, well, I, I'll, I'll say this when I get to the end. But anyway, Dewey wasn't planning on going, I don't think, and then said he was. So I was pretty happy about that, that, that we were going to have some competition. That's great. Um, I thought we could beat Dewey pretty easily as well, so there was that too. <laughs> uh, after, I mean, he, he speed ring, he put it in a wall trying to beat us and, and all that. So. Uh, it, he added some character <laughs> to an already like rich with character. Right, automobile. right. So I, I was a little bit overconfident about that, I would say. Uh, day one, we went out and we beat the record on day one. We were a record setter on, on day one, but it was pretty clear we beat it by a tenth or two that, but it was pretty clear that that record that we had set was not going to last the weekend. Right. Um, the next morning, and I think we set like a 35 4. Now, a year before that same event, a year before, I was fighting to, like, I wanted a 39 9. Like, yeah. that's what I went for, and I failed. I didn't get my, I got like a 40.0 or something like that. So we did day one, 35 5. Four seconds faster. Four seconds faster, but it was clear that that wasn't going to stay the record. And nobody really knew what it was going to be. And then Brian was co-driving. Brian Lazenby was mm-hmm. co-driving with Dewey. Um, he held me up on one lap. Uh, and and so I yelled at him while I was in the car. Um, but then, you know, so I wasn't worried about him because he was super slow and held me up. Next morning, he goes out first session, like blitzes the room. Yeah, it was, it, I think he did like a 34 9 or something <laughs> like that. It's like, well, that's it. Let's pack up and go home. Uh, and then I think we beat that record then yeah, the did. next session. Uh, last session, we went out and we were lined up. And then Dewey must have beat, I was lined up behind Dewey, so he must have been. They somehow they were ahead of me, but I was behind him and I was following him around the track. And I drove what felt like at the time the best lap I've ever driven chasing Dewey. Yeah. As I I got him. I got him. That's the record. My time showed like a 34-4, 34-5 or something like that, but just blitzed the the old record. Uh, I felt like I'd caught him. Because I could see him. Yep. I came in, and and the diff I have, I so we put in an ATS carbon diff. Yep. It could do one hot lap, like going through turn one. This thing is just groaning and growling after a hot lap. Two more, hot, two cooldown laps, and it was fine. So, did my hot lap, got my record, super happy. It's like that. That's it. I mean, we got it by like half a second over what was it? It was a full second faster than what the record was on Saturday morning. Yeah, yeah. Pulled into the pits. I think I stopped. I'm you. like, no, Dan Lewis first. I'm like, super happy. Dan Lewis leaves into the, leans into the car, and he's like, Dewey's got you by like a hundredth. I'm like, I know, man. I got it. I'm so happy. He's like, no, Dewey's got you by like by like a little tiny bit. I'm like, I know. Isn't it awesome? No, Dewey's got you. Get back out there. So I'm like, oh crap. So I like booked it down the pit lane, like like borderline reckless down the pit lane. You stop me. I'm like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I get back out there, and but this this diff can only do one hot lap. So I'm like trying to get around before the checkered flag. 
without overheating the diff. So I'm like driving my outlap as fast as I dared, but still trying to go slow enough to, to keep sure. the diff cool. Sure. I go out and I'm, I'm not a big believer on predictive lap times because I've seen predictive lap times that say you're way up and then you cross the line and all of a sudden it's like two tenths slower. Sure. But my predictive lap times tell me I'm a little teeny tiny bit up and I need less than a tenth. I think I need like a quarter of a tenth to beat Dewey. I'm like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I'm going through turn nine. And I think on the video you hear me, come on, hang on, baby, don't you let go. And I screwed something up. And anyway, ended up way down and and ruined the lap, came in and, and what have you. But we were like a quarter of a tenth down on what the record ended up being. And and so, yeah, that, that kind of sucks for the record. It was super exciting to watch. Uh, you guys battle all yep. weekend. Uh, what I think is cool is based on the way that we've done the uh, scoring for the season competition, yes. it's um, time in tenths separation from the winner yep. in your class. And because you and Dewey were so close, both of you guys got the maximum score. Yep. And so uh, as it start this starts this year, uh, even though he was able to to eke out a win by just a tiny amount, you guys are on even footing, and right. it, like it's it's a coin flip on who's going to be able to to get everything done this year. Which which I think is super fair, being the guy that came in second place by a tiny bit. I think you know had that been flipped and I've been first place, a tiny <laughs> bit, I want to be rewarded <laughs> for that. First all place. bullshit, right? But the the point being, and and the point I wanted to make at the start of this when I was talking to you know trying to persuade Dewey to come. If Dewey had not shown up that day, we would be the record holder right now. Right. And the record would be like a 35-3 or something like that. Right. Dewey coming made us go way faster than yep. we would have gone otherwise, but it also cost us the record. Yep. And and I prefer it that way than than like being a slow record holder. Absolutely. Not that not that a 35-3 is slow. So we're into this for an hour and 31 minutes, which is a little <laughs> bit long, um, but you are, you're doing testing at Barber this weekend yep. and the, uh, if, if obviously things hopefully will go well, but yes. uh, you're going to be campaigning at one lap of America again this year. One lap of America this year. Um, by the time this is out, we will have bought our goal pass for grid life. Yeah, we are going to be sale. But today, yeah, uh, it should be at, on sale right now. Pete's probably New bought his Eastern, I think. Maybe that's wrong. Um, but so one lap of America, Grid Life will be doing six events and and hopefully competing for the championship. Uh, Street mod this year is going to be super interesting. There are four cars we know of that are going to be winning cars. That'd be. Uh, potentially your Dewey, car. Dewey, Sean, Jackie, me, and Sean. Jackie. Yeah. And then there's some other cars we know that are being built that will have the potential to win as well. So we could be looking at not being top five. That's wild. we're like rec- we're we're we hold the rear wheel drive street mod record right now. We're less than a tenth off the overall record. And we may not be top five. We may not be fast enough for top five. So I talk to Jackie every little while, every once in a while. And from his video at Buttonwillow, it looked like he had had some uh, challenges with electrical and electronic and computer stuff. I don't know if he's managed to get that stuff figured out, but it's certainly a detriment to like 
running a clean weekend because you can never, you know, string a few laps together. Yep. Pluses and minuses of every car. Yep. Minus of a new car is dealing with those issues. So they're uh, going to get those issues sorted out. You and I just got finished getting dinner and uh, interesting that we both agree that we think the high watermark for track cars and char- cars that are going to have a lifetime at the racetrack the high watermark is probably 2006. Uh, yeah, around everything that time, after that might be uh, might be faster from the factory, uh, and it might have more potential uh, as it's originally configured. But in terms of cars that are not consumable, but rather things that are mechanically robust and are serviceable and have longevity, it's probably those mid 2000s cars that are just going to be around forever. I don't know about around forever, but they'll be around for a long time. I mean, you look at late model S2000s, Evo 9s, Subarus of that era. What's going faster than those right now? I mean, look at look at all-wheel drive records. Why aren't GTRs beating them? Why aren't GTRs beating Evos? Because they're heavy, and when, when the transmission invariably explodes. Because they're heavy, and they're complicated, and you have to work around issues uh, issues that make them wonderful streetcars but get in the way of pure performance, I think. Yeah, I agree. So uh, on and more than one occasion, I've seen a GTR clunking through pit lane because the transmission exploded. So um, yeah, I think those cars are really cool, but I just, I'm not convinced that uh, you're going to see a you know 15-year-old GTR mm-hmm. turning laps at any track event in the country. Yep. It's just not going to happen. Because you look at those cars and, and, you, and you look at Jackie's car right now, that engine talks to the transmission, talks to the diff, talks to the suspension, talks to the the steering, right? And all those things work fantastically well together as they come from the factory. But you start replacing the suspension, and now there's error codes that are coming up, and yeah, those things I, get. In I the think way. it's because of that um, we might find um, market opportunity for um, standalone ECUs becoming more common where. Um, instead of trying to figure out how to get all of the OEM equipment to play nicely with, with these adjustments, instead you just you, you leave that to someone else. If you want to develop mm-hmm. a new chassis quickly, the first thing you do is just figure out a way to get a standalone to work yep. to control your basic systems and then go from there. Yep. So, um, okay. So you're going to be doing time attack and are you going, are you going to button Lolo this year? Maybe. We'll see how the year goes, but I would like to. Um, I'm sure some of the RS crew will be going. I'm sure. Sean had a pretty Sean strong show last year. So. unfinished business there. He's got to go and get that record. Yep. Um, but we will be at one lap. For sure, we'll be at one lap speed ring and grid life. And then the questionable events will be CSCS yep. and um, Button Willow. And then there'll be tests track days here and there to go and and, and so in. you recently um does does super k have a website uh just a facebook page we have okay. the super k facebook page and, and does super Instagram. k spe- sell any stickers because super k is a pretty <laughs> cool name for a turbocharged car doesn't sell stickers <laughs> but we have stickers if anybody wants stickers get get in touch with me and i'll send them out but uh you know, for anyone <laughs> not in the know super k is a very very cool well-developed car and it's well-driven and uh, 
you'll see it at pretty much all the events. So yes, thank you for taking the time to be on the show. And oh, my uh, pleasure. Thanks for having we'll me. Probably talk to you tomorrow because uh, I'm going to Barber and we're going to do some shows. Yep. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see ya. Thanks. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jubay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the Pit City Grid Live to say hello. Hello.